Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo, and in this podcast, you're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Greetings to you, and thank you for being a part of podcast number 116. For those stations affected by the recent storm Arwen, which smashed across the northeastern part of the UK this week, I hope your antennas survived. I did hear of quite a few aerial farms that were brought down. Hopefully as the weather calms down, people can get out there and make the necessary repairs. I was chatting with my friend Peter, Mike Mike 3, Papa Delta Mike Mobile yesterday on 40 metres, and he had gone over to Lismore Island off the west coast of Scotland to do some activating. He then got a shock, because the ferry went faulty, and it looked like he was going to be stuck on the island overnight. As there are very few facilities on Lismore, the chances are that he would have had to have slept in the car. Luckily, though, the repairs were made in the port of Oban, and the last ferry of the day still ran. It was interesting to realise, though, that with no mobile phone coverage or internet on Lismore, Peter's only means of communication was amateur radio. Okay, let's open the fancy wrapping on this week's episode of Juicy Cutlets. Radio amateurs can often be found offering their radio facilities to organisations to provide coverage on events that take in a large geographical area. No money is taken for this. The radio amateur involvement is seen as an opportunity for self-training in efficient emergency communications. Here's news of a recent activity. In South Africa, radio amateurs have provided communications to the Iron Man event for many years. Iron Man 2020, like so many other events last year, went the way of COVID-19. This year, there was a flurry of postponements, with event organisers trying to pull something out of the bag. Iron Man 2021 finally took place on Sunday the 21st of November, instead of in April, as would be the norm. This made for a very much easier start for the Port Elizabeth Amateur Radio Society members who had the early posts because they were able to arrive at their operating positions in sunlight for the first time. The team, of course, is better known as PEARS, P-E-A-R-S for short. Tony, Zulu Romeo 2 Tango X-Ray, had the venue operations centre set up by 5am with several radio operators along the beachfront to cover the swimming leg of the event. Beach patrol is not quite as glamorous as it might sound. It basically involves following medics around, waiting for competitors to drop out. That said, it's difficult to call the early morning on the beach at such a nice location hard work. Road closures normally bring people in early, and several of the amateur radio stations involved in the run, which is really an afternoon and evening event, needed to be in place before the start of the swim. 
The cycle route took competitors from the beachfront along the shore to Shonis, where they climbed away from the coast towards Grass Roof, and then out to Seaview and back again twice. This route of 180 kilometres is quite an area to cover in terms of amateur radio communications. The pair's team utilised their ladies' slipper repeater, the town repeater located near the Greenacres shopping mall, and a temporary repeater installed on the roof of the Radisson Blue Hotel at the beachfront. All of the repeaters were interlinked, and there was a crossband set up at the home of Chris, Zulu Sierra 2 Alpha Alpha Whiskey, to link the out-of-town ladies' slipper repeater to the beachfront. The network provided coverage over the entire route, and given the topography of the area, this is quite significant. Some pairs members were in action all day, most notably Tony, Zulu Romeo 2 Tango X-Ray, who handled all the traffic at the venue operations centre. The run stations packed up just after 22.30, an early night as the event usually has a midnight cut-off. And Tony said that he would like to thank all of those who assisted. You're listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment or a question, pop us over an email. Our address is vibes at southgatearc.org. That's vibes at southgatearc.org. You never know, we might feature your message in a future edition. It's pretty well accepted that China is a country with a tough and controlling regime, and the activities of its citizens are closely controlled and monitored. Recently, a non-ham activity has been clamped down upon, and the country's radio amateurs have been unnecessarily and mistakenly caught up in the new restrictions. The Chinese Radio Amateurs Club, CRAC, which is the official ham radio body in China, reports on the risk in the country of collecting and distributing either shipping automatic identification systems data or aircraft automatic dependent surveillance broadcast data and the threat to radio amateurs that can come from some media misreporting. Recently, in television and other media, reports have appeared that a very small number of individuals and enterprises in China, through their own receiving devices, are obtaining and relaying ship and flight data to overseas in real time. The Chinese authorities consider this a risk to national security, and radio amateurs may get mistakenly caught up in the issue. A new law introduced by Beijing appears to have resulted in ships turning off their automatic identification system beacons when in Chinese waters. By the way, these operate on either 161.975 MHz or 162.025 MHz. An Australian newspaper report says that since the start of November, vessels from around the globe, from tankers to cargo ships, have disappeared from global tracking systems as they have entered some of the world's busiest shipping lanes close to Chinese ports. As the ships leave Chinese waters, they reappear again. By some estimates, tracking pings from ships near China have fallen by 90% in just a few weeks. On November the 1st, a new law came into effect in China, restricting foreign access to any data, potentially including shipping data, deemed to have a bearing on national or economic security. 
On the same day, a report on the government-controlled China Central Television Focus news programme stated that suspicious radio equipment had been found in the home of a radio enthusiast close to a military base and commercial port in Zhangjiang in the country's south, west of Hong Kong. The broadcast said that a radio ham had installed the equipment which would aid in the global tracking of ships in real time via the internet. The accused, described as a radio ham, had no qualms about his activities. After all, collecting data on the movement of ships is nothing new. The principal way that maritime vessels are tracked is through the Automatic Identification System, or AIS, which is a kind of air traffic control for the seas. It uses transceivers fitted on vessels to transmit their position. This data is then picked up by other vessels, satellites, or AIS base stations on land. The information can show an individual vessel's position, its speed, name and destination, and it's considered vital in modern shipping and allows ships, particularly in busy sea lanes, to know where the position of other vessels are to avoid collisions. It also gives an overview of maritime congestion and allows anyone who wants to to keep a tab on commercial vessels. A potential problem is that many who undertake these activities are not amateur radio enthusiasts at all. The radio reception equipment is just the tool of their trade. However, due to the lack of a basic understanding of what amateur radio is, or a general poor clarity about radio concepts amongst media practitioners in China, they label such people amateur radio enthusiasts, which can have a lot of negative effects on real radio hands. For example, recent web posts in the country have announced that Chinese radio enthusiasts have been leaking sensitive information for years, causing unhappiness and anger amongst amateur radio enthusiasts. Farcically, the authorities in some individual regions are calling for the dismantling of legally established amateur radio stations. In this regard, CRAC cautions that amateur radio enthusiasts in China need to take a pragmatic attitude in the face of this basic lack of common sense and popularising suspicion of amateur radio through the misuse of specific words which have specific meanings. The phrases amateur radio and amateur radio enthusiasts have a carefully defined meaning within the International Telecommunication Union, a professional organisation of the United Nations. China is one of the countries actively involved in the ITU, and the definitions of amateur radio should be made clear to everyone. Amateur radio is a radio communications hobby that is designed for amateur enthusiasts to engage in self-training, mutual communication and technical research in areas of interest with no financial aspect. Amateur radio enthusiasts operate with the official approval of the national radio authorities in China. Receiving marine or aeronautical data, operating radio-controlled models and listening to foreign broadcasts are all activities that use radio technology and equipment, but they do not belong within the scope of the amateur radio services. Those practitioners are classified as having interest in aviation, navigation, the hobby of modelling and broadcast listening. Carrying out radio technology research is an important mission of amateur radio enthusiasts and is encouraged and supported by the Chinese state and society.
CRAC says that radio amateurs need to bear in mind that ham radio interests stop at radio technology itself. The society says that beyond participating in the communications which guarantee an emergency response in times of natural disasters or other emergencies, Chinese hams may not use their own equipment to send and receive signals other than amateur radio, and they must not spread, publish or use received information unintentionally. Chinese amateur radio enthusiasts have always been active volunteers in maintaining order and safety on the air. Every year, they put forward many useful suggestions to radio management agencies at all levels. They report illegal usage and provide assistance within their capacity for radio-related activities. The resolution of illegal radio activities often includes the contributions of amateur radio enthusiasts. China's amateur radio enthusiasts have dedicated many useful services to the country and society for decades. And at the beginning of this century, they were pivotal in transforming tens of thousands of unlicensed radio users into compliant and law-abiding operators. The Chinese National Society believes that with the continuous advancement of China's scientific and technological capabilities and the better understanding of radio management regulations, the radio amateur world will continue to mature and will become more correctly recognised by Chinese society. You can read more at tinyurl.com forward slash IARU hyphen Beijing. One of the activities mentioned in the last report concerns the hobby of listening to broadcast stations from around the world. It's a very popular activity. A recent newspaper article has been describing the personal radio journey of one radio enthusiast in India. Dr Sunil Furtado has been writing in the Deccan Herald newspaper about shortwave listening in the 1980s. Dr. Sunil said that when he was growing up in Mangalore, India, in the 80s, weekend entertainment was limited to a visit to movie theatres, short drives to the beach, or watching national television. His father had subscribed him to a magazine called Target, which was aimed at middle and high schoolers. One issue had two articles on radio communications as a hobby, one about ham radio and the other about DXing, that's listening for radio broadcasts from around the world. DXing involved listening to overseas radio stations and sending reception reports using the postal service. Whereas ham radio equipment was expensive and had to be imported to India and required a government licence, DXing required just a simple radio receiver. Sunil wrote a letter to the author of the article, who was based in Chennai, requesting more details. He promptly replied, sending addresses of international radio stations, their frequencies and information on setting up a basic antenna. Sunil immediately purchased many metres of copper and galvanised iron wire. He set up his antenna on the slanting concrete roof of his room, between swaying palms of coconut trees on one side and a water tank on the other. Connecting the antenna wire up, he spun the dial of his receiver and it gave out a crisp radio noise, the thrill of receiving radio waves beamed by a transmitter thousands of kilometres away and bounced off the ionosphere to be captured by his own homemade antenna was memorable. Sometimes Sunil eavesdropped on vague chatter on the fringes of shortwave frequencies at night, which he imagined to be either police chatter or perhaps smugglers on the high seas sending cryptic messages to their counterparts ashore. The monsoon periods were terrible, Sunil said, as fallen coconut palms would invariably destroy his antenna. 
In the article, he goes on to describe an amazing life in the hobby of radio. And you can read the full story at www.deckenherald.com. You are listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. It's all about radio and the wider world of communications. I've picked out some of the latest stories from Southgate Amateur Radio News, and you can find a lot more by going to southgatearc.org. And staying in India for our final story this time, it seems that even the most powerful and wealthy individuals in the world can't just stroll into any old country and flout their laws. The Indian government have been getting hot under the collar with Elon Musk and his plans for internet world coverage. It raises again interesting thoughts about how countries can expect to regulate signals that radiate through the ether and have no respect for country borders. The advent of shortwave radio broadcasting all those years ago got some more restrictive countries introducing jamming to prevent their citizens hearing what they considered to be propaganda broadcasts from outside their country. Well, now, such blasé border-hopping is coming from outer space. Last week, India's Ministry of Communication said that Elon Musk's SpaceX organisation does not have the licence to offer broadband internet services in India. Starlink is a satellite internet constellation operated by SpaceX, providing satellite internet access to most of the Earth. As of mid-2021, the constellation consists of over 1,600 satellites, but will eventually consist of many thousands of mass-produced small satellites in low Earth orbit, which communicate with designated ground transceivers. While the technical possibility of such a satellite internet service covers most of the global population, actual service can only be delivered in countries that have licensed SpaceX to provide services within any specific national jurisdiction. As of November 2021, the beta service offering is available in 20 countries. The Indian government issued an advisory asking citizens not to subscribe to the provider. It said that SpaceX's satellite broadband arm, Starlink Internet Services, is not licensed in India to offer satellite-based internet services and is barred from offering any such services in the country. The Department of Telecommunications has also asked the billionaire's Internet from Space company to comply with their regulatory framework. The department said that it had noticed that Starlink had started pre-selling the services in India, as is evident from its website, on which satellite-based Internet services can be booked by users in Indian territory. SpaceX has been accepting orders for the beta version of its service for a fully refundable deposit of $99, that's 7,400 rupees. In a statement, the Indian Ministry of Communications said that the Government of India has pointed out that Starlink Internet Services is not licensed to offer satellite-based Internet services in India, even though they are advertising it to the public. Accordingly, the Government has asked the company to comply with India's regulatory framework for providing satellite-based communication services and to refrain from booking or rendering such services in India with immediate effect. You can read the full article at www.timesnownews.com. Go to the Business Economy section. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications from Southgate Amateur Radio News. 
You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.